Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Publitz, and welcome back to the third Sunday of Easter for the week of April 18th, 2021. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are still in this Easter season. I know I said that last week, but it's been such a long year plus that let's just really dwell in this season of Easter. Let's really soak this in, the celebration. In a lot of ways, as we are starting to see potential that the there is some signs that this is coming toward some type of end, but we have no idea when, and it still might be a ways off. There's reason for celebration in that. And I think especially what I enjoy, as you'll find again, we have another one of these reveal stories where last week it was out of John, this week it will be out of Luke. The miracle the miraculous of that and how much that we don't even bat an eye at it because we've heard this story so many times. And yet I think it's something that if we take a step back, especially with what we've gone through over the last year plus, I think now we can start to appreciate this text in a different way. I think appreciating it in the miracle of being in relationships with people, the miracle of being able to hug people, talk to people, being face-to-face, giving each other time is a miracle in and of itself. And that's one of the things to me that I just think we've taken for granted for far too long. And with that being said, it means that then we need to be able to wrestle with that but also appreciate it, if that makes any sense. Wrestle with it in the regards that there's still a lot of ways right now we're not able to do the things and do it in the way that we would want to do it. But there's also the freedom and joy that comes with it in the aspect that when we are making the steps and the progress that we have made, how much that inspires us to, yeah, this is something pretty remarkable to really behold. And that ties into last week's Twitter question, which was, how are you going to support each other's doubt? Last week, we talked about elephants. And one of the things I didn't feel like I did a really good job talking about last week with elephants is how you have the female leadership and the older elephants having all this wisdom, but the younger elephants having all this energy, sometimes to a detriment, but sometimes to a positive. And I think in a lot of ways, that's where the church is at, is trying to figure that out. And the struggle of how do we let younger elephants potentially lead us to something new while keeping the wisdom of our older elephants knowing where we're trying to go. And I got a really great response this week coming from a loyal listener talking about that this person does a bus route and has some difficult kids. And the line that I really enjoyed in here is him talking about how it's very difficult, but yet how they need the attention, they need the person to just listen to them and be there for them. And the line, it is my struggle, but it is also my joy. And I think in a lot of ways, when you think about what Easter is about and Holy Week, that's exactly summarizing it up. That Christ went through a struggle for us, but it was the joy of Christ on what was done for us in doing that. And I think it's something that we don't really recognize and think about a ton, but we really should. 
So let's just jump into this week's podcast. I've given enough of an introduction. The first reading this week is out of Acts chapter 3, verses 12 to 19. My recommendation with this is start at the beginning of chapter 3. There is a healing here, healing at the temple, this person who has been here for an extended period of time, and Peter and John heal this man. Now, when this happens, then Peter kind of goes on this bit of a rant, and I think it's one of the things that it can be very interpreted as very condescending. How I interpret this is, first, Peter starts with saying, you Israelites, he's an Israelite, he's a Jew. So when he is saying, you Israelites, I interpret that as he is including himself in that. And really what this speech gets into is that we rejected the Holy One. We were the one who put him to death. We were the one who didn't see what this was. Coming out of verse 17, And now, friends, I know that you have acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets that the Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. 17 to 19. So this idea of we've made mistakes, but then being able to recognize and humble ourselves in making those mistakes. And I think it's a great text. I'm not going to get into talking about it from a climate change perspective, but I think it's one of those texts that we can look at is if we are noticing that we're doing something wrong, when do we repent and turn the other way? When do we recognize that what we're doing is causing additional pain and being able to humble ourselves? And especially as a United States white Caucasian, I think a lot of times we really struggle with that. The psalm this week is Psalm 4. And this eight-verse psalm here, I think, is really kind of fun. Because you hear the struggle and angst in this. Answer me when I call, O God, for my right. You give me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. But then you get this next verse from verse 2. How long, your people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Shalah. So this fight back and forth, and I think it's something that we can relate to, that we're trying to cry out to God, we're trying to follow where God is trying to lead us, but sometimes our own unbelief makes it hard and it causes us to toss and turn at night as we ponder what the heck is all going down. And the last verse here, verse 8, I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. So in the end, it's God's safe arms that protect us and help us in those times of unbelief. The second reading this week is from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And again, this is a text that's helping us recognize what Christ has done for us. That because we're being called children of God, that then God was willing to do what God did for us, to lay down one's life. And then in that, in that process, because of what God did, we then should be able to admit that we aren't perfect. We make mistakes And in that, then we should be able to state that, God, forgive me. 
There are times when I am not perfect. There are times that I let you down. And in that, then I am still in need of your love and forgiveness. And I think verse seven is great. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. So this idea of, again, continuing to lay down that before the throne of God. The gospel text is Luke chapter 24, verses 36b to 48. And like I stated at the beginning, this is Luke's incarnation of when Jesus reappears to the disciples. He stands among them and says, peace be with you. I think verse 37 right now, I think, speaks to me a lot because of just the world in which we're in. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. And if you look and just think about the last year where we're kind of frozen like the disciples here and not quite knowing what to do, I can relate to that so much. And Jesus then coming in verse 38, why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? He shows them his hands and feet and then he eats fish in front of them. To kind of, again, kind of just reiterate that this is me. Then he said to them, coming from verse 34, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the laws of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. That will be an important verse this week. And then he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And the repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Going from 44 to 48. So Jesus reappearing according to Luke and just giving us a little bit different perspective than what John gave us last week. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug for... Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Braidway's podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to listen to not only other ministers, but other biblical scholars who write these wonderful commentaries and have also just wonderful discussions back and forth. And if you haven't checked out lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu, again, has a lot of great resources. Having pictorial resources of different artists' renditions of these same passages week after week. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org or Vanderbilt's Lectionary Library for the Revised Common Lectionary, I'd highly recommend it. This week, I am going to go out of my wheelhouse. I'm going to talk about physics. Now, state this straight up, I am not a great person at understanding physics, but I think that what has happened here in the last about 10, 15 days within the physics world, I think needs to be discussed because I think it really does breathe some life into what we are understanding with Jesus reappearing to his disciples in Luke. So hear me out on this. First, we have to rewind to Brookfield National Labs in 2001. And they were doing some theoretical physics, working with the standard model. I am going to attach a lot of links down below to kind of help explain the standard model. But to try to do 
the basic summary of how I understand it. Outside of gravity, we have these different forces that are being shown in, especially at the molecular level of molecules. So we're trying to look at the different forces that happen. So you have positive forces and negative forces and trying to see how this all interacts. And it's through this standard model that in the Higgs boson experiment in Scion that happened in the last decade was based off of this idea to be able to prove part of the standard model. And the standard model has been extensively researched over the last century and has been used to help really solidify multiple different things and theories that have been thrown out over the life of modern science that we've been able to work on. Now, we're going to work with muons this week in that the Brookfield National Lab did this study in 2001. And when they did it, it didn't work with what they have as a G factor or essentially think of it as when they are colliding particles together, that when they're spinning, these all these particles are spinning, there's a wobble to it. And they've been able to calculate that wobble out to 12 digits in the decimal place with a small air factor. When they did their test, the last four digits, so the first eight digits in the decimal were fine. The last four didn't line up and it was outside their air margin. And they thought this was kind of weird. So they decided, let's ship this huge magnet and we'll bring it to Fermilab out in New York and have them run the experiment. And recently they just ran the experiment and again had a similar result. Now, what they ended up getting was 4.2 sigma. Think of this like in other science with confidence curves or with 95% confidence. For physics, you're looking for phi sigma. So phi sigma makes it really quite rare that it would happen. So right now we're at 4.2 sigma, which is essentially the random possibility of this occurring just by chance is one in about 40,000, which is solid evidence, but it's not really to the point where they can say discovery or of a new observation, especially within physics. Whereas physics wants about one in three million, three, almost three and a half million chance is five sigma. So with having this study duplicated again, and actually what they've confirmed now this last week is that they're going to try to tune up the experiment even further, doing more research to see if they can make this so that they can say it with more confidence to essentially say that there is a new discovery. And what this then potentially means, if they're able to get it to that five sigma range, is that there are either new particles, new forces, or something wrong with the standard model. And I'll attach a link down below to the physics girl on YouTube. I was using her a lot because I never took physics and trying to understand this is really difficult. And as you probably can tell, this is not my strong suit. But you can see the amount of energy and excitement that she has when talking about this. That essentially that it's even stated in her video explaining that. that so you're telling me there might be more that we don't know and that she's excited about that, that there might be more to discover. 
And when I look at the Luke text and think about that, isn't that exactly what Jesus is doing with the disciples? They're startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost because it doesn't fit their construct, their mindset of what is supposed to happen. You die, you're done. There is no more. And suddenly, Jesus changes the whole model. Jesus is then showing and showing, here's my hands, here's my feet, touch them if you want. Here, give me something to eat so I can dine with you to show yet again, I am at peace here with you. And that yes, I am here in the flesh. And these things that I've been talking about that you didn't understand, you could argue when he opened their mind to understanding the scriptures, it's the beginning of planting the seed for the Holy Spirit within them to understand what is going on. Where then you look at the Acts reading and Peter explaining and going through how we often are so, this is the way that it is, that at times we miss things. We crucified Christ because we couldn't understand. It didn't fit our mindset. We couldn't wrap our head around it. Right now, what I find really interesting within the physics community is that they're not saying it's a discovery yet because they don't have enough evidence yet to say that this observation they can say with enough confidence isn't just a random occurrence but they're expanding their mind to be potentially open to the idea of maybe there is more here than we're understanding maybe there is more that's going on where these particle foam is bouncing in and out or all these subatomic particles are doing more than we're understanding, and there's maybe ones we haven't discovered yet. And again, I know this is really a broad brush overview, but again, I don't feel like I can explain it as well, and so I'll, I'll attach the links down below. But this is exactly what I feel a lot of what the scientific community is about. It's about the idea of, yes, you have your hypothesis, but you have your null hypothesis for the very reason of making sure that you're not just trying to make your hypothesis work, trying to show that there's something there that helps with the idea of maybe you don't have it figured out, to be able to constantly be open to the idea of something new. When I think about where the church is in this moment and in this place, especially with where the world is at at this moment, we have to be open enough to receive and welcome in this new news. I know for me this last week, there was a couple different discussions that we had at work talking about some things that we're looking at doing as we move forward in the pandemic. And I know my initial reaction was one of, I don't want to change things. Why would we change things? And yet, how am I not like Peter from a few weeks ago then, saying, Lord, you can't go through this? Where I needed time to calm down, to relax, to realize that, no, I needed to breathe, not feel like I was being attacked, not feel like the change is necessarily bad, realize that the change could open up new possibilities for actual growth and things to be better than they were. Brothers and sisters, that's exactly where we're at with our faith. The disciples are scared and terrified because they don't know what to do next. And suddenly, here is Jesus standing among them saying, peace be with you. And they're going through of how the heck are you here? 
how the heck do we have the standard model that has confirmed so many different things and how our universe works? And yet now we're starting to see something that potentially can shake up the whole thing. We have to be open enough to be excited about what these new revelations then could potentially bring. It's turning that stuff to God to be able to listen, to hear God, then say, you know, why are you frightened? I am here to comfort and to give you peace. I'm going to eat among you and realize that, yes, I'm back. But these things that I was here to do that you didn't understand, now I can explain in greater detail because now you understand. First John reading, I think, really kind of helps us reiterate and understand that, that because we are children of God, God was willing to work in a way that was different than what the world was expecting and different than what we were expecting. And that's okay. That's movement. That's progress. That's moving forward. The psalm is the angst that we all feel in the middle of that, not knowing where to turn, but trying to trust God through the whole thing. And Peter reminding us that we have to be open to listening to what God is saying and not just coming in with these preconceived notions. Preconceived notions have happened in science and will continue to happen in science at times, but that's where then we run into problems. That's where then we can't have potentially new evidence, doesn't get to the point of discovery yet, but new evidence that maybe there's something more here than we're not quite understanding. And to me, that sounds very much like faith, that we don't understand all of it. But as we keep going, we understand maybe a little bit more. The disciples did not understand everything of what Jesus was doing. And even to the end, they still don't quite fully understand what is all going on. But yet, as the longer they go, the more they do start to understand at least the basic fundamentals and start to understand more of where Jesus is going. And especially after the resurrection, start to understand there was more here than what initially met the eye. That comes from being open to new ideas. Brothers and sisters, we are in that place. We are in that place with our churches. We are in that place with our faith. We are in that place with science. That as long as we are able to have our minds open to the potential of new ideas, that that's when we are in the place to actually be revealed something new for us to help understand. I'm excited, even though I don't understand physics that well, to kind of track this story from the side over the next few years and see what happens. Because this might help us understand more of the place that we're in. Even though my brain has a hard time understanding subatomic particles, it's really interesting to hear people who do understand it talk about it and being able to understand that that helps us better understand how our universe is woven together. And maybe this opens up the possibility of us understanding better how gravity and black matter fit into the standard model. Maybe not, but maybe it moves us toward better understanding the creation in which God has given us. Just as the disciples on this day, when Jesus stands among them and reveals more of what he has been doing, helps them better understand the purpose of what Christ was here for. So the Twitter question this week is, how is your mind being open to new revelations? 
how is your mind being open to new revelations? Because if we don't allow ourselves to have these new revelations, how then do we actually realize the potential of what our faith could be? How do we live up to the expectations that God has for us? Because we have to be able to have new revelations for that to happen. Brothers and sisters, may this Easter season that's still continuing be one of revelation for all of us. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.